1: Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. This is the Sean Baker Orchestra with Which Way to Radioland. guys, welcome to another episode of the Talking Metal Podcast. Hey Emily, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. We have you on the, the show today and uh, it's been far too long. We've been missing you, so thanks for joining us again. And who are you going to interview for us today?
2: Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick.
1: Very yeah. cool, very cool. I, I I've been
2: wanting to have him on for so long. He's such a good guy. really enjoy him on social media and stuff. And I finally got to check out his solo show in new york city right last week
1: now there's already a live record out of that show yes
2: he said that he was recording it I, but i wasn't sure if he was serious or not so <laughs> i guess he was
1: wow okay so yeah, uh, yeah I, I know cool. i'm on his emailing list now because there is a cool thing he does on his site you can get some music for free on his site yeah. he offers like a uh, I guess it's like a compilation EP because it appears that all the different tracks are from different releases. But if you go to the site I, and poke around a little bit, you'll find the, the free EP that you can down, download. I highly recommend doing that. Yeah, some really great tunes.
2: Yeah, he he's very active. I mean, he's constantly putting out new music and all of it is very, you know, diverse, you know, and I, I enjoy all of it. I was just listening to some of it tonight.
1: Cool. And speaking of diverse... I have to get in one final plug here for Heavy Montreal, the great festival we are on our way up there i 'm going up a day early for the seven seventy seven Montreal festival, which is more punk and and uh, hardcore bands, so i 'm looking forward to that and then Emily will join me on this saturday this this coming Saturday, just days away at Heavy Montreal. Wow and what a diverse lineup i went through on uh, the other day and i literally i literally listened to every band the bands that i mean obviously i know what manson and zombie and Tri- trivium and all those bands but bands i didn't know i went through the uh, the the lineup and listen to, to everyone. And there, there's some really great bands appearing this year. I, I really cannot wait. Who's that wait.
2: DJ you were playing tonight? I was dancing for like <laughs>
1: yeah, half an that, hour. Um, that guy is, I don't know how you pronounce it, but per, per, pertrubi- I'm like Where? terrible with names. I'm always good. See the Pertrubiator? Uh,
2: perturbator. Yeah, And I actually, one of the guys at the Jason Beeler show told me that he loved them. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It was a guy wearing this, uh, he had a sword t-shirt on, and he was hanging out with the the dude from St. Vitus that I did. I did a cover show with him.
1: Oh, cool. Cool. And yeah, just so many great bands. Um, Power Trip, I'm excited to see. Havoc, we're going to be doing an interview with Havoc, which is a, a thrash band, great band. Can't wait for you guys to hear them. Warbringer. Blind uh, Witness, uh, The Agonist, Marilyn Manson, Under Oath, I think we're going to hook up with Under Oath for an interview, uh, Witchcraft, The Black Dahlia Murder, we're going to have them, they're going to hopefully swing by, it sounds like, for an interview, and I am so excited to see Gojira, because I've never seen Gojira. Me neither. And, and they are just uh, just fantastic, and let's get into a little Gojira right now on Talking Metal this is Silvera. Silvera. I believe that's how you pronounce it by Gojira who we will be seeing July 29th at Heavy Montreal, one of the headliners and it's going to be great. What a what a great event. I cannot wait to get up there. Nile, Demon Hunter, Glory uh Glory Hammer. Have you heard of this band Glory Hammer? No. They like wear costumes. And they come on stage. I
2: like costumes. They're,
1: and they they almost sound, They wear makeup? No, like like outfits like uh theatrical. Nice. Uh, and, and very like, um, I don't know what, they call it like heroic metal or something. It's very like, <laughs> you got you to gotta hear these guys. I'm Glory down. Glory Hammer. Of course, the classic heavy metal band from the 80s is still out there rocking. Helix, they will be playing. In Montreal. And the metal so queen. so looking forward to it. Lee Aaron. And Alstorm, pirate metal from, I, yes. I uh, have played them on Not the podcast. Not to be
2: confused with Hailstorm.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Alstrom. Alstorm.
1: Yeah. Alstorm. Well, I think it's Alstorm. Al like Al. Al, yeah, like Al. beer. Yeah. Like, yeah, Al. All right. And on that note, let's uh, let's get into Emily's interview with Jason Beeler. What should we play going into the interview, Emily? Maybe a little Saigon kick?
2: Yeah, let's do some Saigon kick. Let's put on Hostile Youth. For those of you who, I mean, I I encourage everyone to go back and listen to their entire catalog. But, you know, especially this album is is just fantastic.
1: Cool. And they're a band that that I didn't really know a a heck of a lot about, except the one kind of hit, um, Love is on the Way, right? Yes. And I didn't love that song. You know, so oh, I, I, I... how
2: could you? That is the best power ballad there is. Someone sent out like a tweet and was like, "What's your favorite power ballad?" That's what I
1: responded. Right. Yeah, maybe it's just I'm not a big power ballad guy. Yeah, but this that's song, not your thing. "Hostile Youth," is is just great. I, I really love it. And yeah, you through gotta go you, back and revisit. Yeah, it. I've I have been. I've for been sure. through you. I've been yeah. going back and and revisiting what a what a great catalog and diverse catalog Saigon Kick have, and. A band that the the critics really dug. I mean, Always. two people yeah. I I respect, Eddie Trunk, and of course Martin Popoff. Right. That that second record, The Lizard, they they love that. They love that
2: Eddie record. was at that this show that I was at that they played like a year and a half ago at Webster right. Hall, and I just stood at the back, you know, the little soundboard in the back, and just like hung out with him. That's like one of his favorite bands.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and Eddie usually doesn't show up at a show unless he's getting paid. paid.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't there doing anything. He was just there 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 as a fan. fan. And
1: you know who else? We saw him also just at a fan uh, at the UFO Saxon show. Yes, we did. Not doing any announcing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, there are a
2: couple bands that he is very very loyal to, and yeah, Saigon Kick is one of them for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And Martin Popoff, who has written so many great books and is now working with sam dunn on the banger tv stuff and has been a guest on this podcast many many times i, I have read his his volumes of of reviews uh the collector's guide to heavy metal
0: mm-hmm.
1: albums and rarely does he give out a 10 he doesn't you know, 10 10 is the rating <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10 obviously he gives out a lot of zeros you know <laughs> Lee I Aaron, know, who we is. mentioned earlier, who, who I love. Okay, name name Aaron an album guys, from the '90s. Zeros.
2: Let's look it up right now. Let's do this. Let's do this live on the show. So, from like a metal album from the the '90s. We
1: Emily has Martin Popoff's book. <laughs> it's Volume <laughs> Two: The Collector's right Guide now. to Heavy Metal the '90s. Uh, we, I've got Merciful of Fate. Years. How about
2: I've got Metal Church, Mashuga, What do you want to hear? How about, Metallica.
1: How about Dirt? Allison Chains.
2: Allison Chains Dirt. Okay. All right. Flip. An
1: album that I would give 10 out of 10 to. And again, uh, there's very oh, few 10 it. out of 10. Does
2: he have that in here? Hold on. Oh, he's got it. Allison Chains Dirt. He gave a 10. Yeah. That's another Which 10. Which
1: is rare. Okay. That is very how rare. How about, let's see, I'm trying to think of something that came out. How about, how about.
2: Amen. Remember? Amen. Amen. Yeah.
1: Amen. KCKS. Seven yeah which i love yeah. those records
2: yeah. i'm going through the a's right now anthrax um, what album did they put out anvil
1: sound of white noise
2: wait um what does that have? return of the killer a's they've gave a si- he gave a six yeah um
1: what about the sound of white noise by anthrax
2: Sound of white noise, he gave a 10. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a good one too. Yeah. Hey, we're making it sound like he gives 10s No, a, he doesn't. A lot, which, we're but we're he picking barely, out good albums. He, he barely Let's ever does. Let's pick out does. some
2: mediocre albums from the 90s. Let's do this. Arch Enemy Stigmata, he gave actually a nine. Right. I'm going through the A's right now. Think of some other ones from, I wish we had like a live line right now where we could get the fans to call in and say, look at this one. Cannibal about- Corpse, I've got, what do you want to hear?
1: How about, how about David Lee Roth? A little ain't enough. Did he do that? that was because to me that, that was kind of a weird record. I liked I liked certain things about it and didn't like other things about it. All right,
2: it's a long um, review, and he gave it a seven. Okay, that's David Lee Roth. A little ain't enough. He With Jason gave it a seven. Becker. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Becker was on that.
1: Yeah. So what did what did he give? Uh, what did he give? Saigon Kick the Lizard. A 10. A 10, We just talked about that. So do you want to read a little bit of his review of Saigon Kick?
2: Yeah, I won't. It's a pretty lengthy review, but part that caught me was it says, place Saigon Kick between Warrior Soul and Enough's Enough, both bands that we love, Yeah, um, but place them higher as the persona of the band just seems to shift like a mirage, making for a top-flight cerebral experience that headbangs at the same time. Cosmic, slack, and cutting edge all in one. Saigon kick gets me every time. And the fact that he says cosmic, slack, and cutting edge all in one, Jason and I cover, kind of covered this in the interview because the fact that they're so diverse. right? And, and at that time period you, you kind of had to Fit into a category, you know, and it's not as we're not as accepting as we are today of more diverse albums and you know people that don't necessarily fit into a a a box. So, yeah, I feel like it was wrong time, wrong place for Saigon Kick in some ways.
1: Cool. Well, I tell you what, let's get into the song we just mentioned, which is "Hostile Youth" by Saigon Kick, and that will be followed by. Emily Striegel's interview with Jason Beeler.
2: listeners this is Emily Striegel coming at you today and I've got on the phone with me from Saigon Kick Jason Beeler. How you doing Jason?
3: I couldn't be any better thanks for asking. How about yourself?
2: Awesome. I had so much fun seeing your acoustic show in New York City this past weekend. That was a really good time. Thanks for coming out and playing for us.
3: Oh, please. Thank you for coming out and uh, hanging out for a couple of hours to hear me go through uh, some audio nonsense.
2: <laughs> it was so, that was fun. And you know, like there were no casual fans in the audience. I'm one of those people that likes to sit back and kind of watch the reactions of audience members. And um, I can tell you that a, a large percentage of that audience knew every word to every song you were singing, which was really cool.
3: Which is even a higher percentage than me, which is pretty impressive.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They did. I think they knew the words even better than than you may have. I don't know.
3: Which is often the case, which is why I appreciate them so much.
2: (laughs) Yeah, they definitely were an an enthusiastic group. And uh, you did – so you did a mix of Saigon kick songs, and you also did a lot of your solo stuff and some covers. Oh, my God, you did a a Jellyfish cover. So if you heard someone – singing obnoxiously loud that was me on that one
3: please i, I love that band so it's always fun to uh, at least take a crack at a jellyfish song
2: yeah it was it was really really cool so how, how often you've been doing a number of these acoustic shows i know i missed your show you were in nyc late last year and i know you were up in boston and you've done some shows in florida so is this kind of a newer thing for you or have you been doing this for a while
3: uh, over the last year, I decided to just kind of, you know, just as a you know personal challenge to like strip all the music down, just to an acoustic guitar and see which songs actually have legs and and can be worked that way. Um, it's always always been like a you know that's always a like kind of a true test of a song. Was like it should work in multiple kind of ways, and um, so I thought it'd be fun to try to do that and just go out and do these songs. And uh, so I've I've gone to L.A., Chicago, um, New York, Boston, Atlanta. Uh, some dates in Florida, Um, and and just kind of been doing it, you know, it's just been so much fun, like you saw, like, the people that come out are super, super, it's it's really, I know everybody always says that, it's like a kind of silly thing to say, but it's really more like a giant family event than it is a show,
0: like everyone just gets
3: together and, everyone just gets together and talks, has some cocktails, Um, and you know, it's just, it's been so much fun, Uh, selfishly so much fun, that, um. I've never had more fun ever doing anything ever.
2: That's so awesome to hear. I mean, it was. It was such a good vibe in the room. Everyone was, you know, just like you said, like hanging out and we could all, it did feel like a family. It felt like you could walk up to anyone in that room and, and start a conversation. And part of that is your energy. You have a, you have a really good energy. You have, you know, you're really, really funny. I'm sure people have told you that before, but like your in-between song banter is almost as entertaining as the song's.
3: Well, I, I think of this as a poor man's way to get into stand-up comedy. So I'm just, <laughs> totally. I'm just too chicken to leave the guitar at home just yet, so I use that in case everything... If the jokes start failing, I can play a few more songs, and if, if I get in a role, I can just not play any songs. Ultimately, that'd be my goal, and I think everybody's goal is if I just stop playing music entirely and go for a stand-up tour.
2: <laughs> no, I seriously think you could, and I, I've, I've had a fun time getting to know you a bit, just observing you on social media, and you're one of those people who managed to tackle serious sometimes upsetting current events to me and you know with just the right am- amount of you know sarcasm and wit and silliness. So I appreciate anyone who can make me laugh nowadays. So if, if you're not following Jason on on Twitter and on Instagram, you, you should be doing that.
3: Yes, I highly I, I am I am like the Kardashian of uh 90s rock. <laughs> think- as uh, as far as uh that, yeah, but I mean it, that's – I mean to me, that's the beauty of social media is that there's people like you who clearly get it and understand the tone. And that's always fun obviously. But the the people who don't get it, I enjoy oh, more.
2: God. I know. Oh, and, my god. And, and, and
3: I know that's a sickness and I should probably go see somebody <laughs> about that. But like you know, even just the, the, anything I say, like when people just – they don't realize like – I think in social media, like anything you say is taken verbatim, which explains it a lot about is. our country. It, but,
2: um, I know. It's so it's,
3: funny. Like no matter what I say, it's like there's there's a group of people who like there's Beeler being a jackass again, and then there's a group of people who are like you know, I, I literally posted uh, I, I didn't I didn't I posted it, but a friend of mine made a picture of me as a uh, George Costanza uh, from the Art of Seduction pose, <laughs> where, where he's like in boxer yes, shorts. I saw that. I saw it's, that. It's like my it's my head like on his body, it, done fairly well, I will admit. But <laughs> I mean, I I literally got people calling me like I, I, sorry, I'm messaging me saying you know, it's so good that a man of your size cannot be body shamed and (laughs) that you you, you would you would pose, you know, like without your clothes on like that. And it's just like, wow, it's like you really can say and do anything online. And people just Yeah, that's it. That's the truth.
2: Oh, my gosh, it is. It's like, I, I saw a meme recently that said, I wish sarcasm could be a font you know, like let's get, so, so people know that we're being sarcastic. Like we have a sarcasm font, you know, that we use. So people know when we're being utterly, uh, totally sarcastic, but yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't, it's, it,
3: it, it's, it's really a strange, strange time. But that's kind of the fun of, I think the whole Saigon kick thing and the solo stuff and, you know, whilst not exactly Dave Matthews or Foo Fighters-esque in national scope or impact, um, I got to tell you pound for pound I have a really funny group of people uh and 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 people that generally get it and you know I I wouldn't trade that for anything because uh it's just funny to watch you know the interactions and and then people get into their own little arguments about stuff and it's just uh you know the more sarcastic the better as far as I'm concerned Oh my
2: gosh I I would be uh I would be in a loony bin if it weren't for uh people like you and, and some sarcastic uh, personalities out there. And, you know, I, even in your solo stuff, I noticed the same kind of personality shining through a bit because um, I bought your, I you have, you're you very prolific, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but um, Keep Calm and Carry On. It's a really good tune. I don't know exactly when you wrote it, and we'll talk about it in a bit, but, you know, it's got this happy kind of pop rock vibe, and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, he's singing about the, effing apocalypse here i think <laughs> like,
3: <what? laughs> so again that's been my favorite thing to do i mean just uh, you know I, I find like you know as, as i get older uh, i think i'm i'm 26 now so let me see that would be, no, I'm <laughs> but a- as you get older i think you know there's this there's an inherent silliness to raw aggression to me that doesn't mean you can't be making sugar metal and be an 80 year old person and having a blast just I find personally writing mindless, aggressive, aggro, bro rock to not be really as in mentally engaging. So what I really find interesting and as a challenge um, is to write really syrupy, melodic things that are all lyrically, horrifyingly way <laughs> darker than normal metal. Totally. Because again, because of our, because of our culture, so many people just miss it. Like, you could literally be talking about amputations and, 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 and deadly infections, and if you wrap it in a syrupy melody, I mean, a vast quantity of people just, you know, oh, that's a nice little tune. And then people people who are fans a little bit more um, will dig in and go, oh, my God, that's horrifyingly terrible. Why would you say something like that? So that's really, like, what I enjoy as a writer is just to kind of, like, you know, more of that. I think it's just too easy to be, urgh, kill the world. Right. And it's just, it's so, it's so overt and over the top that, yeah. Um,
2: and I there's a there's a place for that too. There's a place for that too. But we we definitely need the the Jason Bealers out there for sure.
3: So, I love it. I mean, I love. I mean, I love heavy music. And I and I and I I just for me personally as a writer, I just feel like you know, I just it just wouldn't be as authentic if it wasn't as twisted for me. Yeah,
2: absolutely, I hear you. It fits. It fits. It fits you. So you're giving away a. Are you giving away a six song EP on your website? Did I see that JasonBeeler dot com?
3: That- yeah. I mean, I, I put together a little. Um, group of uh songs that people can grab off the website to kind of get a taste um of some of the stuff that i'm doing i mean but uh, yes i am
2: and and they can the best place to get your stuff is at Bandcamp. i mean where's the best place where we can support your solo career
3: yeah com is where i wound up doing all this stuff i have a label with um you know international distribution and all that kind of stuff when this whole thing started i just i wanted nothing to do with anybody and i don't mean that in a bitter i hate the industry sense it's just i really wanted to just write music for myself the way i wanted to i didn't want to sit down at a meeting with radio guys or marketing people and then talk about trajectories and see powerpoint presentations i you know my whole goal with this was to get back to writing so i I wanted to kind of improv write, meaning that i would write a song uh, from scratch and within 24 to 48 hours i'd mix it finish it master it and put it out for people to have um i i that that's just the whole sense and really the kind of point was i just wanted to keep sharpening as a writer and i didn't want to spend seven months crafting an adele size mega pop tune and getting like snare reverbs and all that stuff right and just get lost in that i just wanted to keep writing and keep writing yeah. um and so the bandcamp format was really kind of you know, the perfect place. Um, Again, not really with any business aspirations about it, just like I was like, I don't want to have to, you know, pitch to iTunes and, you know, format things. And uh, eventually some of the stuff did get onto iTunes and Spotify and all that. But it was really just about writing. And strangely enough, the second I stopped trying to do anything, um, it's taken on a a life of its own, which is awesome and unexpected and and brilliant.
2: That's really, really cool. I mean, the industry's changed so much. One of the stories you were telling... At the acoustic show on Friday was like you're sitting like in Sweden, you know, recording the third record with Saigon Kick and they're sending you like three hundred thousand dollars. Like, can you imagine like that? That's just that's another era entirely.
3: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, and, and we were we felt like we were low man on the totem. We didn't have a real budget, you know, like yeah. the, like some of the big, band, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, even when we started our label, which would have been around 2000 or so, you know, as an indie, we were making records for $100,000, 75000 You know, I mean, th- those were just the budgets. I mean, you know, I, I know bands of that time period that-, that are, you know, making records for, you know, five and $10,000 now. Absolutely. Um, it's just changed. But it I has. think it's a good thing. You know, it- it's called the herd is what I like to say. Like, you know, it got rid of your I want to go to Hot Top and be a rock star guy. And I think what you're seeing is more people who love creating art and music uh, for the sake of making music. And and not that I look anybody should be able to do whatever they want to do. So I'm not I'm not an elitist of like only the greats make music, but it's just I find people that are touring now in general and people that are creating music are doing it for a lot more of a pure reason than maybe 10 or 15 years ago,
2: 100, or 20 years. Hundred percent. I had the same conversation with Dave Windorf of Monster Magnet, and he was just like, you know, they've weeded out the people that are doing this for the wrong reason. But you know, the thing that makes me Sad and upset, and I, I have extended conversations with people. It's like, how do we, um, how do we make it lucrative again for musicians? Because you know, it's, it, I, I always love getting people's thoughts on this because in the era of streaming, and in the era of people who don't even know about things like Bandcamp, and. Right. Because honestly, there are people, I mean, I support artists on on Bandcamp, but a lot of people don't even know what it is or how to access it because they've got these streaming services at their fingertips. So what's the solution in your mind?
3: I mean, I'm really fortunate in the sense that my career started in a time where, you know, millions of dollars were being spent to kind of uh, market bands and stuff like that. So, I mean, for me to say I'm facing the exact same struggle, as a brand new artist is probably not true but at the same point it's amazing to me you know it's like the work you have to do to make people aware there's just so much noise whether it be your gig or um you know your music or whatever you're doing it's just you know it just comes down to old school hustling i mean you know you got to be out there pounding away and doing that um but there's a ton of money to be made if you if you know I, i mean people support you and even with this it's like in many ways it's been like starting all over again um doing these acoustic shows but it's been great because I went to Tampa the first time and did really well but wasn't sold out then I went back like eight months later and now the gigs are sold out and they're selling out in advance and people are growing and you know uh, and getting into the kind of whole vibe of it and having a good night and um, you know I I think it's just about being you know one you have to do something that people want to come out and see and so you know I mean I always said that to bands even back in the day it's like if no one's coming to your shows and you've done multiple shows then there's something wrong with your show if, if if no one's buying your music, you know maybe it's just really good, but people don't buy just good stuff. You know, totally. people in this day and age are gonna they're gonna wait and buy the stuff they find really 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 compelling. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think you just got to be a little bit smarter. I mean, you you got to reduce your crew. You got to reduce all the stupid stuff that you know. You know, I don't need a cheese you know cheese boy on tour, and I don't need maybe <laughs> you know a hair stylist, and I don't need to be you know. So you kind of do things you know. Uh, you know and build it up you know brick by brick the old-fashioned way and then you know what starts as you know 70 people or 100 people hopefully becomes 150 and 200 and and those people keep spreading the word and you know and, and hopefully the music starts to I mean like I've been doing this band camp thing for two years and I'm telling you like every day there's new emails or new messages like I had no idea you were you know doing anything and yet you think you're on Facebook or you think you're on Twitter yeah. and you're speaking to the world and you're just not, you're speaking to such a small fragment. Um, so it's, unfortunately it's, it's the old, it's the same as it's ever been. It's just a, it's time and effort, you know? Right,
2: right. It's, Absolutely. It's no no shortcuts. Yeah. But I know that you can't, you probably can't get a r- rid of your hairstylist because you've got that, that really good man bun going and you'd certainly have someone helping you with that, right?
3: Now, far be it for me to correct you, but I... <laughs> I've gotten into, including with my family, because the man bun in and of itself would bring shame upon my children, and I can't do that. <laughs> this is more of a top knot or some kind of It
2: is a top knot. Kind of, <laughs> it, it, it,
3: it, it's, it's not bunned. I, I refuse to accept the physics of the bun. The bun would be a rolled over kind of cinched bun, and this is more just a sprout. Man, uh, I, I, the don't, man.
2: I had to buy one of your t-shirts, because your logo, who drew that for you? That like mohawk thing with the skull? That's an amazing, amazing logo.
3: Oh, thank you uh, this kid Robert Merrick uh out of Orlando just been a genius he's he's also the one who's done the vast majority of, like the, the silly photoshops of me um he single-handedly branded me back into relevance seriously uh, but that, uh, it's he's a, a really good
2: it's a really really good one hold on to that one
3: awesome
2: um so I got to see you kill it with Saigon kick at Webster Hall about a year maybe a year and a half ago I was trying to remember like time is flying by I have no clue um and you you did a smattering of shows around then. I know at that show Eddie Trunk was there. I know Eddie's a big fan, and um, yep. always been a big support. And he wants you to play. Come take me now at his funeral.
3: <laughs> yes, that, that, is, that is as silly as that story is. That's a true story. I
2: know it's it's a good story, and I think your response was something along the lines of, "Oh, cool, man, I can't wait," there's something. Yeah,
3: I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be awesome.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was that was a great show. So I. Uh, What's the status? I, I've heard rumors that there might be a new release at some point. Are you guys planning on doing any more dates? What's up with Saigon Kick?
3: I, 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 I am as perplexed and, and quizzed, quizzical over the Saigon Kick uh, plans as anybody. Um, we all get along, which is a massive victory from the past, where I think the only intent was to put an axe in each other's head. So that's a that's a massive <laughs> social victory. Yes. But I don't think there's any like – um you know everybody's doing their own thing and kind of working at their own pace and you know i don't think anybody wants to do i know specifically speaking for me you know i don't want to do any convincing or talking into um if the right gig you know gets in the wind we want to do that we will do that there's no yes or no there's no broken up there's no active plan to move forward um you know i i think um it's just kind of this nebulous floating circus
2: yeah now I hear you I mean I Enjoy could it. see you I've, I've been at so many festivals where I'm like oh I just wish we could f- squeeze Saigon kick in right here you know like I go to a lot a lot of festivals so that that's kind of a dream of mine someday maybe that'll happen at some point we'll see um,
3: well may, may I suggest you dream bigger
2: dream bigger <laughs> okay.
3: I, I, I want to see you really seize life if one of your dreams is seeing Saigon kick on a festival I really want to encourage you <laughs>
2: I have a lot of dreams, Jason. A lot of dreams.
3: Okay. So, Fair uh, enough.
2: A journalist, uh, Martin Popoff, uh, kind of a, he's a critic. He's been on Talking Metal many times. He called Saigon Kick's second album, The Lizard, a perfect album. I don't know if you know this, but he gave you guys a 10 out of 10. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know if you, do you know Martin Popoff? He's Canadian. He's, I do. Yep. Yeah. He, he, I don't th- know.
3: I- we know each other I actually like in, in in social media sense where everyone knows everybody. I know him. Oh
2: yeah. We, we I'll send it uh, to you. We haven't hung out. I'll send you the little snippet. Um, I don't know what book I saw it in, but, um, he did, he said li- the lizard was a perfect album. So any memories you can share of that? Is that, and is that Atlantic story with, uh, with Jagger from that time period?
3: <laughs> that was uh, actually the period, right? But that was the first record okay. uh, time period.
2: Do you want to tell our um, listeners that one? This is a, Classic.
3: I think I, I think I need to save that for the for live. It's just so offensively horrible. I, know. I, hate, I hate <laughs> cannot,
2: <laughs> come um, to the live show if you want to hear his Mick Jagger story, everyone. It's,
3: it's really it's, <clears throat> it's
2: worth the it, uh, admit to, uh, uh, the the ticket price alone.
3: I, I think so. I think so. But um, yeah. I mean, the the, the the that's awesome to hear. I mean, the cool thing about this whole Saigon Kick thing is, you know, the band always made kind of diverse records, and as of late, it's been really great to hear. You know. From people like all of a sudden, like whether it's uh, Chris Kale from Five Finger Death Punch or uh, Corey Taylor or Devin Townsend, go like, oh man, you know, I got it. I understood what you guys were about. It wasn't just about you know the ballad, or um, and that's kind of been a cool thing about it. So I mean, the, the the biggest, I don't think the second record was really that much different than the first record in terms of diversity, other than the fact that the ballad from the second record became a hit and. You know, I think it skewed people's perception. And I understand, I mean, it's, it's nothing. I mean, people are always like, "Are you mad?" It's like, no. I'm, why would I be mad that I had a, you know, a song that that we clearly wrote and played, and a huge chunk of people liked it? You know, um, it, I mean, it, it's it's unfortunate that we lived in a time period then. I think it almost makes more sense now than it did then because, you know, people listen to anything now, and and they're not so defined by genre. As they were then. Like, you were a metalhead, or you were in a new wave, or you were a punk, and that's who you sat at school tables with, and that's what you wore. And that's now it's like, you know, I know my kid listens to Skrillex and ACDC and Metallica and whatever, you know, just yep. good songs. So I think that's kind of the way I always approached music because, I mean, while I was a fan of, you know, Ozzy, I was a fan of Barry Manilow. Um, Absolutely. So it's like I, just like, I just like great songs. So I really never, I was always making somebody mad by putting you know a song like love is on the way next to a song like the lizard or, or or vice versa and it just didn't never thought to make music any differently i just was like you know if you go to see a movie i don't know anybody who only goes and sees you know slasher films like they you, you go see that and then maybe you go see a you grant movie that's a romantic comedy and then maybe you go see the godfather and then maybe you go see you know, whatever, Friday the 13th and maybe you go see Pulp Fiction. And you know, and I always looked at music like it all should represent different emotions, different thoughts, different things. And, you know, even the angriest, you know, metal punk guy I've ever known at some point had a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a relationship or a tragedy or a horrifying thing happen or, you know, and that's to me what music does best is kind of represent those things so that's kind of an overview and I'm amazed that I just spent five minutes not answering your question whatsoever
2: (laughs) I like no I like that because this is exactly I went out with my friend Nikki after your show and we were kind of sitting there hypothesizing on you know you were referencing you know the demise of Saigon kick and kind of you know we were like what happened you know and I said I always saw you guys fitting in more with kind of the Faith in the Moors and the Living Colors and the Jane's Addictions. And you definitely had a more alternative sound. And, and and as you said, like a there was a diversity within your albums that, that made you guys stand out to me. But, you know, it was Love is on the Way, like you said, that made people say, oh, okay, they fit in here with these other right. hair metal bands, you know, with their massive power ballads, even though that song is way above and beyond any other power ballad of that era. But... You know, then, of course, that entire subgenre kind of imploded, you know, in a matter of a couple of years after that and possibly taking you guys with them. When I... My, su- joke,
3: is, my, my joke is always that we we actually killed hair metal. Like, yeah. What was on the way was the last ballad that flew. So, like, we really made Nirvana's career possible because we destroyed all of the hair metal careers in one fell swoop with that ballad. And then Nirvana was able to really explode. So... Totally. We're responsible. We're responsible for grunge. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I took one for the team.
2: I know. I was. We really. Get, we're getting kind of philosophical. I'm like, am I making this more complicated than it is? But no, really, there is something to that. So that's that's
3: really interesting. No, but that's what we, I mean. It's funny. I mean, you say we played shows with Faith No More. We played with Soundgarden. We played. We toured with the Ramones. Yes. Um, yeah. We toured with you know Cheap Trick. We toured with a bunch of different stuff. So I mean, we played with shows with Ozzy. So yeah, I mean, I think it was just a weird time in music. I mean, I think Extreme probably suffered a similar. Branding Saint, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and King's X to a certain degree too kind of fell in between. Yep. Um, I kind of pride myself on the fact that the greatest thing about Sag and Kick was that all the grunge bands hated us for being hair metal, and all the hair metal bands hated us for being grunge.
2: Absolutely. So like
3: we really never we were never embraced by any of them, and I don't have anything against you know hair metal or grunge or anything, but we were never, you know, it's not like all those bands of the hair metal time were like oh yeah we're all part of the same thing. They they never really wanted anything to do with us um and not in a not in a mean-spirited way as much as we were just not of that movement to them
2: You were the misfits the same, you guys were the misfits yeah we really, yeah.
3: We really were yeah. we really were you were we were the so, un, uninvited di- dinner guests
2: you were <laughs> hey i don't i don't mind that i like i like the uh i like the uh the misfit personalities more than the people that just fit in all the time so that's a cool thing i don't think that's a bad thing so, so tell me what's, what's up next for you. What do you have planned for the rest of this year and next year? Anything aside from just writing and just putting out a ton of music, which I encourage everyone to go on Bandcamp and check it all out. There's a ton of it.
3: Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to continue writing. Um, I'm, I'm continue doing these shows. I have, a uh, am going to new Orleans and Baton Rouge in a few weeks, and then I'm going to LA again and uh, Atlanta. Um, I go to Florida. I have a bunch of dates coming up. Um, I'm talking about doing a, a some kind of musical project with Jeff Scott Soto, which hopefully will take place at some point either this year or next year. Nice. Um, J- Jonathan Mover and I are talking about doing something, which will probably be a really kind of heavy, interesting kind of more full-on project. Um, just continuing to you know make music. I mean, I'm just so lucky that you know, I, I, I mean. It's just an amazing thing to me that you know these years later I can go to New York or go to Boston, stay in a wonderful hotel, hang out with a bunch of people, and goof off. And that if, I mean I feel like someone's going to fire me. Like I'm just waiting <laughs> for the boss. I, I feel like the boss is going to find out that I've been pulling the scam. And uh, it, so it's just an amazing. I've never had more fun, and I don't mean that in a like you know. I mean obviously having a hit's a great thing, but just like relaxing into who I am and what I do, and then finding a group of people that like that is. I, yeah. I don't think you get luck.
2: Yeah, well, and it's not—it's not gonna go away because you're—you're the real deal. People know authenticity when they see it, and they see that in you. So I—I I see you having a a long career ahead of you, and uh, so grateful that you came on talking metal today. And like I said, everyone check him out—uh, JasonBeeler dot com—and also get him on Twitter and Instagram. Where you do—you give us the the funny jokes, and you also keep us updated on what's going on with you. So. Thanks again for coming on. Well,
3: I can't thank you enough for having me. I can't thank you enough for coming out to the show. And uh, I also enjoy all your posts. And uh, (laughs) I think we're now officially besties. We're best friends. We are
2: officially. (laughs) Thanks so much. We'll have you back on again uh, soon. So stay in touch, okay?
3: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. What a fun interview. I love, I love yeah. talking with Jason. And what was and that I,
1: song right there that we just heard coming out of the interview?
2: That is a solo track of his called All at Once. It's on his EP, Birds of Prey. All of his music is available. It's available anywhere, but you can support him on Bandcamp and on his website. And, you know, it's available on Spotify, of course. But um, I, I truly encourage all of you to check out his solo stuff because it's as diverse as the the Saigon Kick catalog
1: Right, right on. Great stuff. And thanks for that interview. I'm still flipping through Martin's book here. Yeah, let's hear some. you have any zero? To, did to, you find uh, a zero yet? The two record that Trent Reznor worked on with John Five and Rob Halford, yeah. which I always loved that record. <laughs> what did he give Got it? Got a four. Yeah. um. The typo negative record, which many people just think is is the a perfect record. I'm one of them. Bloody Kisses. I mean, what a what a powerhouse. Yes. To what me, did that's give a it? 10 out of 10. He gave it a seven.
2: He gave it a seven.
1: Yeah, which is crazy to me. He He's gave, tough. Yeah, he is tough. Martin Popov is tough. The, I
2: like that about him, though.
1: The Holy Record by UDO, he actually gave nine, which is a high for him. That's cool. Yeah, and... Ugly Kid Joe looks like he gave all their records in the 97s, except for America's Least Wanted, which I think was their bigger record in 92. Can you find gave, a gave zero? A
2: can you just flip through I, and see? So I know he <laughs>
1: gave Hysteria by Def <gasps> Leppard. That's in the 80s. He did not book. give it a zero. He gave that a zero. He um, gave,
2: wait, you guys, can we talk about this for a second? That is, no, there's something wrong in his brain. Yeah. You don't get Martin. We're going to have a conversation about this next time I see you. You don't give Hysteria a zero. You can't give that album a zero.
1: Yeah, he did. He did. If Was I, he I, mad at them? I, Does I, he not like know, them? Just didn't like, he just didn't like it. Um, oh, here's a zero. The various <laughs> various artists, hot for teacher, a tribute to Van Halen. <laughs> no. Rating zero. Oh, no. Another twisted deadline ploy here's (laughs) one from their metal versus electronica series with at least the anyways i'm not gonna read it zero out of zero (laughs) or zero out of ten i'm sorry zero out of zero out of ten for that one um still flipping through that's so
2: mean that's evil hysteria is not a zero out of zero i'm sorry i know a lot of people that don't like that we just had matt mcjunkins on the podcast talking about that album we both love it yeah i love it it's not my favorite Def Leppard album, but I really it was very important to me. Does not deserve a zero. That's redunculous. and I never use that word. I hate that word.
1: The Crimson Idol, which a lot of people loved by Wasp, I I think that's a really strong record. He gave that only a six out of ten. Um, yeah. So, anyways,
2: ten. Edit, what the bottom line is. Ten out of ten is serious coming from him. Yeah, and so, he, he said it's a perfect album. So,
1: so let's go. While we're talking about Martin Popoff here, these are the top, the top twenty heavy metal records of the nineties, as picked by let's Martin Popoff. At twenty, The Tea Party, The Edges of Twilight. At number nineteen, an album that most people would probably put at number one for the nineties metal. Uh, but Popoff puts it at 19. Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power. Number 18, Danzig 4. I actually really like the Danzig 4 record. Kind Definitely. of overlooked. Number 17. Again, this is just the 90s, guys, as picked by Martin Popoff. Megadeth, Rust in Peace. Number yes. 16, a record that I just love, and I was so sad when I interviewed Jizzy Pearl and he was an asshole. Um, <laughs> love Hate. Blackout in the Red Room. My brother and I loved that record. Yeah,
2: oh, another Done. good
1: one. Fifteen Never gonna listen at fifteen. To it again. Paw Dragline. Paw oh. was a was a grunge band, yeah. not from Seattle, and they were very very good and very overlooked. Where Paw. did you put
2: them? Fifteen.
1: Fifteen. Nice. 14, Keep on going. Pantera, Far Beyond Driven. Okay. Thirteen. Love Hate. Let's Rumble. Yeah, Martin's a big Love Hate guy. Yeah. Twelve slayer seasons in the abyss nice 11 king's x tapehead
2: oh my god yeah
1: 10 bill ward the sabbath drummer's solo record when <laughs> the burrow breaks
2: who's <laughs> okay nine i don't know that deep enough.
1: purple abandon all right eight last crack Burning Time. I have no, I'm, I'm like fairly <laughs> like so, a, a metal expert. Some people gonna, might say, we're gonna I have look no that idea up. what last crack up. Burning Time is. No clue. Big yeah, crack. That's, yeah, that's Martin's <laughs> number eight, the greatest. That's heavy metal your greatest hit. This is your big crack. Oh, thanks. <laughs>
0: you know?
1: Number seven, King's X Dogma. <laughs> number six, Trouble Trouble. Self titled. Number five, Metal Church The Human Factor. Another love hate one
2: three love hate yeah on here we need to take this does he like jizzy pearl is
1: yeah, I jizzy so. pearl nice yeah. to
2: him he must have been
1: wasted in america uh number three deep purple another perpendicular. Deep perpendicular number two trouble manic frustration and number one <gasps> a guy who i just hung out with <laughs> billy gibbons zz tops yes. Rhythmine. Did you have all the
2: listeners heard this story? I mean, we kind of talked about it. We
1: already, I
2: know, but for those who haven't heard, who are listening to this episode, Mark had a very random experience hanging out with John Ostrowski at a bar, and Billy Gibbons showed up.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, I told this story (laughs) a couple, yeah, (laughs) I know, a couple episodes ago, but yeah, it was just oh, you mean for people who are listening to this, yeah, didn't hear, Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just so crazy. I mean, we had recorded a podcast that night, we shut the mics off, and then the billy gibbons walks in with the king of guinea yeah <laughs> no, into Mark a random bar I, in, <laughs> not, this wasn't like it was like some like place like hipster place in manhattan this is like in new jersey at a random bar in new jersey It was
2: like the only place they could find to park their tour bus yeah.
1: and the, the reason john suggested we we record a podcast there because i was working up in englewood that day and uh I said I'll drive down to your area there because he lives in Jersey City, and I said I just I said I can't do street parking because it's so tough to find a spot, and I said I need a lot that's free, you know, because in that area it's so congested. So did Billy Gibbons? Yeah. So John recommended. He said, you know what? I know this hotel, and you can park. They're they're the one the only places where you can park a car for free in that area, and apparently a tour bus too. Yeah. Is yeah. so well, the fun. king came over from New York to meet up with yeah. with uh, with Billy, but yeah, craziness, craziness, and Billy was that's so fun. cool. And so that's
2: the number one album else. from the '90s, according to.
1: Yeah, I don't even know that record. I have no. Yeah. Idea. I mean, I know the ZZ Top from the '80s and a little bit from the '70s. Can
2: we talk about something? You yeah. just said record. I don't know that record. When I say record, I think of a 45. Still,
1: right? Okay. Yeah.
2: Because I was.
1: Born. I should say album. Probably.
2: I say album, but I notice a lot of people say record. Can we talk about what the appropriate yeah, I think term is? I think it's
1: just the old fogies say
2: record. Yeah, That's a great record. Yeah, but when just, I hear record, I think of a forty-five.
1: Just like when you watch like CNN or something.
2: But no one like, knows what a, I mean. No one knows what a forty-five is. Even
1: like they're like, that well. A, the tape said this. There's no tape There's no tape. Yeah. There's no tape in in, in TV yeah. or everything's delivered on digital. I'm gonna videotape.
2: I yeah. I said that once to someone. Like I'm gonna videotape it or something, and they were like laughing hysterically. At
1: yeah. Me. Yeah. Like and kids today like, would just say, "I'm gonna video that," or "I'm, yeah. I'm gonna record I'm gonna shoot it." That. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, there's no tape anymore. People don't really know anyone under like. 25 doesn't know what tape is you know
2: i had a pencil that i use specifically for winding my cassette tapes so
1: right nice <laughs> <laughs> it would get when all, they'd get loose you yeah. 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 <laughs> know exactly what you mean i'm sure there's <laughs> other people out there who know exactly what you mean and there's probably some of the younger people who they have who no don't. clue
2: what we're talking about right yeah. now sorry so, we lost you
1: well listen to take us out let's uh let's hit a little love hate the uh the two uh interviews that always come to mind as the worst talking metal interviews <laughs> no, of all time. Seriously, why
2: are you going to play them?
1: Were, were why are you going to give them your support? From Korn, fieldy from Corn,
2: Fieldy from Corn, Total completely jackass. Ruse,
1: rude. Yeah. And the second one I would say was, uh, was Jizzy Pearl. Yeah. And I always thought, you know, for a long time we were in kind of a feud with the classic metal show. And I was always like, Oh, I think those guys are friends with Jizzy Pearl. They must've told him yeah. be a dick to Mark. No. And, and I and Chris Aiken and I are now friends and I said to him once I said did you did you tell Jizzy Pearl to uh, you know be a dick be a dick to us and he was like no no yeah. never
2: can we talk about the nicest people we've ever interviewed i mean everyone's typically nice of course but sometimes i feel like the more famous they are the more gracious they are ozzy Osbourne. See,
1: yeah ozzy was so nice
2: he's amazing England. rob halford yeah amazing
1: right. absolutely
2: Ian Gillen, yes, he was like they are, just class acts. Yeah, and they know how to treat people.
1: And I gotta say too, Vinnie Paul was so he was nice and oh my and god, we hung out with him, John and I at a bowling alley. It breaks we my were heart interviewing him.
2: It breaks my we heart.
1: And I played him my band. And I he,
2: know. And he he liked, played it over the loudspeaker. Yeah, and, no, and,
1: and he was asking me questions <laughs> I know. about it. He, he, he wanted was this, genuinely
2: interested. He, he liked it. He,
1: he said the drummer was great. And he yeah. was asking me questions about it. He and, listened. And he was very sincere, down-to-earth. <laughs> guy just a big sweetheart and we we've had him on the show numerous times but only once God, did we hang out with him in I, know, person. I know i know actually john hung out with him uh, numerous, N- numerous times, times yeah I, I only hung out with him once in person
2: but like all the words you just used authentic or whatever genuine big-hearted right. Like when you hear this over and over again when someone dies I, I must have seen 50 tweets that said the same thing
1: and you know who was kind of a dick when when we interviewed him uh, Rex from Rex Brown from Pantera, he yeah. he definitely comes up on on the top twenty <laughs> asshole interview list for for me. And we've interviewed hundreds <laughs> did, of people. Did, Phil you, Anselmo. Salmo, can we
2: do? Oh,
1: so awesome! And I was nervous because he's kind of an in, yeah. in, intimidating figure, and I and he was just the nicest guy. I remember I said to him at one point, "Well, we've done about thirty minutes here." He's like, "I don't got anything to do." <laughs> like let's keep wanna, talking. Yeah, it was like he didn't he didn't up. want the interview to end, yeah. you know. He was such a nice guy. You know,
2: we, this brings up the fact that we need to do a top 20 asshole interviews. Yeah, I don't know if I, I could if seven. I could do
1: 20. I know I <laughs> I named 3 right there. Um
2: know. No, I and think Rex we,
1: wasn't as bad as Fieldy or or. Let's do or it Jazzy like Pearl. a top 10.
2: Let's do a top 10 and tell the stories. I think the the listeners would love to hear that. Considering we've done what 700 something episodes at this point. Yes. And when yeah. I say we I I haven't done 700 episodes, right. but I've been a part of the podcast just kind of standing on the sidelines for a long time. Yeah. Well, since the beginning, should yeah, I say?
1: absolutely. Since the beginning. And, and now it's been a few years that you've been involved with doing interviews for us and they're great. And and John has expressed an interest to get back into the fold. it would be so and, fun. And one thing I'd like to do, and I have to give a shout out, I don't know if he's still listening at this point, to Jerry from Long Island. Because he's kind of inspired me, I like that Jerry listens to not just the classic bands but a lot of new stuff and when yeah. talking metal started out, we were we were did everything if it was hard rock, if it was you know metal, it didn't matter if it was it was you know poison or if it was you know super like arch enemy or. Lamb of God, or you know, unearth or or, or bands like that, unearth. I can't remember the. But you know, we did all sorts of different styles of of music when we started out, and I feel like. I at some point kind of fine tuned it so we became more of just the classic bands. Classic metal. And I want to get back because yeah. I, I see people like like Jerry who had some uh, requests on the last episode. And
2: Jerry, thank you for the patch, by the way. I'm putting the patch on my my jacket.
1: Yeah, they made. He patch, got me a Maiden patch. patch. He gave us, he gave, I think he gave us each one. Didn't lo- yeah. I think he may have given you Maybe, one. Me, yeah, mine's gonna remember. end up on my jacket yeah. for sure. Um, but uh. You know, I I do think I do think that's what we need to do. I think we need yeah. to r- kind of open it back up. Open it back up, and I think this well, heavy Montreal uh, will be a, a big first step in that. Yeah, and, and there's a couple bands
2: I have on my radar that I want to get on the podcast. I've kind of been talking to people behind the scenes, so we'll see some of that coming too. Yes, I wish we were like a video podcast right now. Is there such a thing as a video podcast? Because Ozzy, our dog is having some kind of bad dream right now, and his paws, he's running in his, <laughs> his sleep right now. Is he? Yeah. Can we get this on video? I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> no, Can we, get but him on we the are going to do more, more YouTube stuff. Of course, the, the station is youtube.com slash Talking Metal, so definitely check that station out. And on that note, let's hit some love-hate and get out of here. Out. This is Blackout in the Red Room by Love Hate featuring Jizzy Pearl. Here we go. Talk to you next time, guys.